0: This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast, and I am your host for this week's episode, Paul Jace Lee, filling in for Mike Rappin, uh, and I am here with two members of the Misfits, not the legendary punk band from Lodi, New Jersey, no, the Misfits from *Gem and the Holograms, the 80s cartoon show. That's Kara Shimborski. Hey. And Nick White.
1: I have nothing to contribute on either of those uh, <laughs>
0: topics.
2: That's unfortunate.
0: You're definitely a stormer, and then uh, I would say you're jazz, uh, Kara. <laughs> If we're talking Misfits. Aww. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we're back here uh, talking all about comics today. We have a very special episode that was commissioned by our good friend, Cinco. They wanted us to talk all about music and comics. We're going to get deep into that, hence the music reference right at the top of the show. But before we get to all the musical mayhem we have planned for you, let's start with the two questions I am legally obligated to ask every time I host the show. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Nick.
2: Uh, well... Yeah, Nick, how are you? Yeah,
0: Yeah, I
1: mean... Not good? (laughs) (laughs) The the, the weather's been real interesting around here. I I have to admit, I don't know if you had the... What's that?
2: Do you start every how are you with a this is the weather around me?
1: (laughs) No, I mean, I do sort of keep that for this show. Um, (laughs) With everyone else, I just just usually turn around and walk away. That seems like the most appropriate (laughs) thing to do. (laughs) <laughs> that good, huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. about that good, <laughs> Michigan's been weird, like uh, we had a terrible thunderstorm last night, like really yeah. bad, I don't know if you had that in in g r as well, Paul, but uh yep, yep, really bad thunderstorm, super windy, so you know it's 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 been a good time to sit down and and read some books, uh, and what better book to sit around and 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 wallow in, but uh alien number eleven. Okay. Uh um <laughs> they
0: made 11 of those in. movies so far wow <laughs> Yeah
1: Yeah, I mean if you count up like all of the alien versus predator movies, it, it, there's there's just enough of Do those you? so Sure. Oh no, no, just burn them burn <laughs> those things. Just uh I mean, they've given Lance Hendrickson like some extra work and so uh sure. you know, I appreciate that, but um yeah, so this is this is by Philip Kennedy Johnson. Uh, writing Salvador LaRocca art Guru EFX colors Clayton Coles on letters uh, and and for me like oh God it brings up a really good question for me which is can you call a twist a twist when the twist is the fact that the first twist happens a second time hmm.
0: no <laughs> <laughs> two twists don't make a two twists don't make a clever uh, plot I guess yeah.
1: If like two at that point, a is it a, is it merely a twist that has happened again, and that stops it from being a twist? I don't Once know. Come, Some things it, to think about. Two twists like a make a right. Circle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There we go. It's like two twists
2: is a circle. It's a or maybe it's a swirly cone. I guess it depends on the context. Is this yeah, ice cream for yeah. a circle? Yeah, is, or is this soft serve? serve? Is this soft serve ice cream? <laughs> uh, uh, it sounds like no, right. since you're still just laughing no. about how the twistiness made it not good so i'm gonna go with not soft serve we are in a flat circle where nick is disappointed
1: i think this is like we've reached the alien point of diminishing returns where i'll even go i I, i'm okay with the twist happening a second time i'm I'm just shocked that they're even trying things i guess would be a good way of putting it Look, I'll grant you that Larocca doesn't really have human beings in his wheelhouse as an artist, but <laughs> issue eleven kind of calls into question whether or not he can even draw the same quasi humanoid consistently. Oh, my. Uh, there were multiple moments where I did a double take, convinced I was looking at a totally new character, um, oh. which is which is always a weird thing in Alien because, like. The good thing about alien math is that you never have to keep track of more people. You always have to keep track of less people. That's just <laughs> right. how alien works. Uh-huh. It's 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 a, it's a narrative element that really helps me juggle the characters. Sure.
2: Knowing that they'll all die.
1: Yeah, like- yeah. Exactly exactly it's it it really helps me juggle all the characters i just i just take the you know in those chapter books we had as kids where they're like oh dramatis personae" at the beginning in the characters well with an alien book you just get to cross off all the names as as you go through the book it's (laughs) it's real handy
2: i just feel like you're mentally just putting everybody in a red shirt as they walk past you (laughs) in the frame
1: (laughs) yeah like, his environments look fine, and there's a couple moments in this issue where it, like, sort of shuffles between different locales, and, and those look great, but, like, the rocca should play to his strengths, and by that I mean inanimate objects. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this is probably the strongest issue of this arc, which is going on for, like, six or seven issues now. Next month will be the last one. Uh And it, narratively, I actually... I, I thought it was fine. Uh mm. I just... Uh, this this book is just an issue of fit. Like I, I don't I take no great pleasure in like ragging on the Roca. I, obviously, he's I don't a huge Nick.
2: It sounds like you do. This no, is
1: I, so far. I, I this this book is like. Remember in in the Da Vinci Code where Paul Bettany is like self flagellating, you know, with that whip, and he's like mm-hmm. that albino guy, like sure, and like he's like this this is my version of that okay like every month (laughs) this is my this is my penance okay
2: for what being an alien fan
1: for being an alien fan yeah
2: (laughs) this doesn't feel like a great way for them to expand popularity in the franchise if even the people who love it are like this really blows like everything you've said about this book so far nick has been like the verbal equivalent of a flamethrower Like, that's the intensity (laughs) of the burns you've been dishing out so far. So, like, how am I... I mean, a flamethrower would work
1: narratively for the Alien (laughs) franchise. So, you know, you just got to burn it all.
2: Like, I have zero interest in looking at this now, even. Because I'm like, well, if I can't even tell which character is which, and there are multiple twists and they're not even good, like, why bother? Mm -hmm. Why should we bother to be invested in Alien if they give us this, Nick? Yeah, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> it's it's just interesting because it's one of those situations that it's
1: just an issue of fit. I think we've all seen books where maybe we really like the artist, but we feel the script just isn't right there. Or we think mm-hmm. narratively the script is really great, but it belongs in the hands of someone else. And this is just one of those situations where you just kind of go, what if, I don't know, what if Riley Rossmo was drawing this? I know people would probably fucking lose their shit over that, but I think that would be cool. Like Riley Rossmo or, or Wes Craig or someone
2: else. Mm-hmm i guess you're It'll, describing rise of skywalker at this point like yeah I, I i could i could see that you're like oh you're so close there's such a good idea here and the execution was terrible
1: wait was that rise of skywalker i thought rise of skywalker was um well this is a movie i guess this is okay, a movie fine. i the guess prequels.
2: the prequels <laughs> yeah good yeah good ideas for execution
1: yeah so all mm-hmm. right uh, all right well I'll, I'll check in next month on this okay um we'll 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 see how the arc ends and uh sure maybe they'll bring in someone else I don't know uh I I did also read Kaiju Number 8 I did promise that I would uh get people up to speed on this manga um that had been recommended to me so
2: is it about monsters
1: It is it is about monsters oh. it it began right. in July of 2020 apparently um as far as Shonen Jump Plus metrics go it was the fastest manga to ever reach 30 million views which it did in like five months the second collection just came out at the beginning of April the third is coming out at the beginning or somewhere in July this book follows this protagonist called named Kafka Uh, he lives in Japan which of course is plagued by kaiju attacks or at least I I think it is it's really expensive to visit Japan so I don't really know but I've seen Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen Pacific Rim right
2: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't been to Japan but I've seen Pacific Rim (laughs) Yeah, close enough right i I had sushi one time at a gas station yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah i had had 7-eleven sushi and now i'm qualified (laughs) to speak about an entire nation as a collective entity yeah definitely um broad uh, generalizations abound Mm -hmm. um and so this character he has dreams as a child of joining the japanese defense force alongside his friend mina but now he's in his 30s which as far as manga protagonists go he's basically one foot in the grave oh, God! Mm-hmm. Uh, he fails the entrance exam previously and then ends up working for a cleanup crew named monster sweeper you know after the monsters destroy angel grove right and the megazord kicks the monster to the ground and it blows up right somebody has to clean that up <laughs> what would be fun is if the book was actually about this loser slacker guy who just gets drunk and then cleans up monsters in a hazmat suit that would be a good book that would be a great book that would be a fun book but instead he has this new guy who joins his cleanup crew who's like i'm learning about monsters and i'm just here for a few months and then i'm gonna go take the entrance exam and join the military and then the age the age range changes for the test and he's like you should take the test again kafka And so he does, because he wants to prove to his childhood friend, who of course is now the captain of this military thing, that he too can kill monsters, and uh, anyway, whatever. (laughs) The art's really good, he ends up swallowing this weird little monster. If this part Mm. seems weird and rushed, and it doesn't make sense, maybe it will at some point, it doesn't right now. He swallows this monster and gains the ability to turn into a kaiju himself that what? looks like tradmore's ghost writer okay oh
0: okay huh. what mm. uh
1: it doesn't make I don't sense know about this nick it looks interesting but uh it is a shonen manga and while it sort of steps away from some of the shonen tropes like it's not trying to like be iconoclastic right like it's not trying to Basically reinvent the genre, right? It it's, is of
2: yeah. the genre. It's
1: yeah. Uh-huh. It is Shonen adjacent. It makes a couple steps. Like I said, like the protagonist is in his thirties. So clearly, most Shonen protagonists are you know twelve-year-old boys that are trying to fight everything, right? That is the target audience. I have read the Wikipedia entry on Shonen. Everyone, <laughs> so what yeah, say, it's, it's kind of
2: nice that like you know I have been reading a lot of young adult stuff, so. My worldview right now is like once you're past the age of 17, it's all over. So it's nice that they take that trope and they're like, no, no, life continues after your 20s. We swear. Right.
1: <laughs> right. Not, not everything that will ever happen to you that is important at all happens in high school, right? Because yes. that's, that's <laughs> what Shonen would, would have you believe, um, is <laughs> that the, the, the high school classroom is the most dramatic, most exciting uh, venue for anything but yeah, those are those are some things I've read. Yeah. Uh I'm sure Danny will um love all of that, but uh it's I I'm, I'm going to keep reading it, but it's still very like let's compare our power levels and my suit after 5 weeks of training, I am only able to utilize 1% of this suit's energy. Will I so ever make go? it? I am only ranked 7th amongst the top 12. That puts me in the 3rd percentile in this category of close
2: combat uh I i've never, never... Cons- i've never consumed a single piece of Yu-Gi-Oh, but this sounds like Yu-Gi-Oh to me <laughs> yeah. right like at a certain point when your manga
1: starts reading like an excel spreadsheet and i'm like i just need to filter <laughs> these results in uh, order from largest <laughs> to smallest because i'm not following this like <laughs> That's when I sort of wonder if I'm having fun. Am I having fun or am I doing a worksheet? Like, is well, am I having fun or is this some seventh grade math story problem? Which one is this?
0: I'm going to say you have these are two ringing endorsements from you, Nick, for these two comics. So thank you. you really <laughs> did a good job <laughs> convincing people to check wow. them out. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: I also want to yeah. point out to our, our our listeners listening to the show at a later date. We're we're currently recording this live with our Discord chat. So the reason Nick keeps yelling about Danny is because Danny's one of our lovely listeners in the chat who is actively yelling at him about how wrong he is. So you know <laughs> yes. come to our live shows and yell at Nick live.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um what 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 about you, Kara? What have you been reading?
2: Oh my God. Um I was also reading a young adult book i finally read squad by maggie takuda hall and lisa sterl and it's basically mean girls with werewolves and i say that with the highest possible praise like it (laughs) oh my god like reading it is like reading a modern mean girls and whatever you think about that movie the writing is pure fire so
1: get in losers we're gonna go howl at the moon
2: exactly (laughs) so like all the dialogue felt believable um i really like the art style the the artist actually did the modern witch tarot deck which had like a brief moment of being marketed to me on instagram barnes and noble and amazon so i feel like this is exactly in my wheelhouse Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was like oh yes this aesthetic is pleasing thank you so it's like you know, it's this group of three girls and like the new girl shows up and she's new from out of town. She doesn't have any friends and the cool girls take her into the group right away. Plot twist, they're werewolves. So it's like they're mean girls. You see their group dynamic where like not everything is like the, oh my God, we're best friends. Like it's clearly that there's some like power struggles. And so already you're like, okay, this, these friendships are not on firm ground. So And I know that there are werewolves because that's part of the marketing. So let's see how this goes. So you kind of see the conflict of like the dynamic of being in a pack together. They have to eat every month on the full moon and it has to be humans. So their shtick is going to parties and getting guys who do not respect boundaries of women to try to assault them and then they eat him in retribution so at first i was reading this i was like oh this is so cathartic what a great (laughs) what a great like power fantasy of getting to just totally like tear the throat out of somebody who's making you feel uncomfortable not that I've ever felt that way, but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, then like reading further, they kind of get into the like, well, what happens if we start bending these rules? What happens if these power dynamics are not what we thought? What happens if we accidentally murder somebody and all of a sudden the FBI is investigating? So mm-hmm. you kind of see I how things, that all the time. Right. So it I thought it was very well done, very well paced. I kind of want to just like as soon as we're done recording sit down and read it again. I hope they make it into a movie, but I know the movie would be worse than the comic, so I'm kind of like <laughs> but it's a good story. Like versions nice. of this story has have definitely been done like the horror genre before, but mm-hmm. I just feel like this version is very fresh and very modern and it it kind of made me sort of sit with some of my feelings about how it feels to be a woman or a more vulnerable person in the world and just feeling constantly like men are trying to like, trying to like bother you or assume that they have a right to your time, attention or body just because of who you are. And so Mm -hmm. I was just sitting there like, yes, yes, I absolutely would like to become a werewolf and be able to not do that. And then I was like, well, are the only options really being either predator or prey? Cause that kind of sucks too. Like, do you really want to become also, somebody who messes up somebody's day, can't we just have like an absence of power dynamic? Like, does there have to be a power dynamic? And then I got mad thinking about the Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah, but there always has to be yeah. an,
1: a predator. There always has to be a predator and prey because otherwise, as we covered earlier, Lance Hendrickson needs work, and so he yeah. needs. He needs these movies so oh my
2: god yeah no matter no, who so wins I got, you know, we lose. no it's okay i got so i got mad thinking about the fantastic four because i was like in the middle of this book and like drifted off into a little like mental tangent about like what it's like to to like exist as a woman and i always was thinking like you know i've been consuming superhero media for a long time and Part of that is you think like, well, what superpower would I want? Mm -hmm. And what superpower might actually like help me throughout the day? And I always was more drawn to the like powers of invisibility or like force fields and protection stuff. And reading this book in particular made me kind of like confront that and be like, well, why do I want to be invisible? Why do I want to have like force fields? And it's all just like keep scumbags away from me or like make Uh them not notice me. And then I got mad. Like, why do I have to be? invisible or have like a shield around me to keep people physically away from me when the problem is not me existing the problem is other people not having boundaries and not understanding that other people don't exist to just be their objects so then I got Mm -hmm. mad about the fantastic four because I was like the invisible woman has all these powers I thought I wanted but she is an invisible woman and then there's like the thing who you cannot help but look at him he takes up so much space there's Mister Fantastic who expands, and there's Johnny Storm who burns up all of the oxygen. I'm like, you could, like, you could not create a more perfect metaphor for like the gender dina- the yeah. gender binary in America than the Fantastic yeah. Four. And then I got mad and tweeted about it. So that's kind of how I came into this show: is just being really <laughs> mad about how reality is right now, all because Fair of Squad. Enough. Read Squad, guys. Yeah. <laughs> no this so i guess one of those...
1: thanks squad or no thanks i'm i'm, I'm no not sure. it was
2: great it was great for me to be like why do i have to be invisible why can't i just wh- why can't other people change yeah. who they are you know non-comic book related we're coming up on the most glorious week of the year may the fourth be with you the star wars holiday started out as a fan thing and then when disney bought star wars they were like oh my god a merchandising opportunity put it on the calendar (laughs) so my whole instagram feed right now because instagram is the mall at this point is like look at all these cute star wars things that are going to be released this week and i'm like guys, I don't have a job right now. Please don't do this to me. I have no willpower when it comes to buying Star Wars things. So like (laughs) ColourPop is releasing a new Star Wars makeup collection and all the packaging is like the original film artwork and it looks so rad. And that that eyeshadow formula is actually pretty good. So if you need some eyeshadow, you should get the Star Wars one that's coming out. Mm. This very fascinating and very like bougie pastel rich lady aesthetic company called stony clover lane that does like mostly pastel like customizable like bags and accessories and everything's like probably way more money than it should be they're doing a star wars line they had like a few like disney line they had like a disney princess line that sold out right away deep sigh i know i'm almost done (laughs) but they have a star wars one coming out this week and i am dying. They have like all these cute little pastel patches with like Darth Vader's helmet on it or like an x-wing on it. You could get a dip dye like pastel tie-dye tote bag covered in Star Wars patches. Um you can get They have, like, these Star Wars fonts, shiny letters, so you could, like, get a bag and, like, pay them too much money to embroider your name on it in the Star Wars patches. Oh, my God. So I've basically (laughs) been trying to figure out how not to spend, like, $1,000 this week that I don't have. Because I'm like, but I want all of these things. How dare you? For, like, 40 years, we've been saying girls like Star Wars, too. And all of a (laughs) sudden, they paid attention (laughs) And now I don't have the money for it, so I'm so mad.
0: Their eyes turned into dollar signs. ching
2: Exactly. Oh, my God. So for once, I am the target Star Wars demographic, and it's amazing. But also, I may make some bad choices this week.
1: Kara's going to actually start like you know shouting from the rooftops like maybe maybe star wars isn't for girls just out of the pure <laughs> fact that she doesn't doesn't want them advertising to her well, right now
2: yeah. nick they have this really cute pink pattern it's like it's like pale pink and then there's like a little print printable little ships on it oh it's so cute oh my god i know other star wars news last week i went to disneyland Mm-hmm. I saw a friend that I haven't seen since before the pandemic. It was a really lovely time. And we went to Ogus Cantina, which is the Star Wars bar within the Star Wars land. I was just in there with like the robot DJ playing the disco version of the Mos Eisley Cantina song. And just like crying into my fizzy drink. So I was like, this is I miss bars. I miss <laughs> bars, you guys.
1: Sure. Crying into just... your drink, just slightly sobbing. As you say, now this is pod racing.
2: The guy next to me was dressed like Han Solo, but like off-brand Han Solo, because they have rules in the park about like how close to a character costume Mm -hmm. you can get. Mm -hmm. And like I started talking to him and he was like there, just like by himself, just enjoying the Star Wars vibes. And I'm like, this dude is living the life. He is living the dream. He's just like, I wanted to be in a Star Wars today, and here I am. And it was just Man, I'm, I'm so ready for Probably. us to be out of this pandemic, guys. We all need to be the Star Wars guy in the Star Wars bar living our best Star Wars lives.
1: We all need to be, be off-brand Han Solo.
2: Yes! <laughs> yeah,
0: so we don't have to travel to another galaxy to uh, enjoy a beverage in public places. So. Um, <laughs> right. I know, right?
2: Oh my God. Anyway, so that's me. Star Wars all the time. How about you, Paul?
0: Well, yeah, obviously the holidays coming up, I would say. I'm uh, Star Wars Orthodox, so I only observe Life Day. I don't observe... <laughs> fourth. Uh, so
1: um,
0: i'll wait till november um uh anyway yeah i read some comics this past week uh two comics that um oddly enough were very similar reading experiences that i didn't didn't expect uh one was santo's sisters number one this was credited to the creators uh greg and fake that's all the information i have about it um it was self-published by them um last year and then got republished and distributed by Floating World Comics, which is how I grabbed a copy. I saw it in previews and ordered it. And the reason I ordered this is because Jaime Hernandez, the Love and Rockets creator, said it was one of his favorite comics from last year, said that that's good enough for me. So I picked it up. And um, imagine, if you will, a a mashup between Archie and early 90s Image Comics. And that's basically what you have with Santos Sisters, number one.
1: I'm just imagining Rod Serling saying that now. Imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah so that's basically what this is um the santos sisters are amber and alana santos and there's these two teenage uh, latinas who find magical necklaces on the beach one day and these magical necklaces give them magical powers and those powers basically seem to be flight and the ability to wield giant laser rifles
2: um yes but- <laughs> yes <laughs> the thing is- i'm sold i'm adding it to cart <laughs>
0: the uh the comic itself isn't so much one story it's a series of little 8 page gag strips like you would get in an archie double digest you know what i mean and it's drawn mm-hmm. just like an archie comic in a similar style there's a lot of like weird like puns and punchlines there's like one story that's a scooby doo homage there's yes. also another story that has Don Quixote in it for some reason, and it's very funny. But yeah, it's just these teenage girls with superpowers. Um, they have regular stuff to deal with, like their dumb boyfriends, a uh, haunted Halloween party that they're a part of. They go camping. There's some all hijinks involving a bunch of woodland animals dressed in karate geese like uh, and kind of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle-style masks that they run into. It's such a weird comic, and it walks the razor-thin line between being very very clever and being very very dumb and i love that like it's so well executed um it's definitely for adults there's nothing like graphic or gratuitous about it but it's very snarky and there's some suggestive stuff in it that said it's definitely not everyone's cup of tea but i enjoyed the hell out of it especially the fact that it seems very committed to being a physical thing you know it's not digital it's printed on that sort of slick newsprint that Archie Digest come on. It's offset print like that stuff. As a package, as a thing, it's it's really really cool and very unique. It's only 5 bucks for 56 pages. Highly highly oh. recommended if you can find it.
2: I'm looking at it right now. It's on they yeah. have like a big cartel site. I'm looking at the cover and everything <laughs> you're just saying. I'm just silently laughing because the subheader to this comic title is finally a comic for generation X. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Oh God. <laughs> finally, <laughs> you know, they're often overlooked. So yeah,
0: I, it's a, it's a very fun comic. I say, if you find it worth checking out, it's, it's, it's a very, very unique. I haven't read anything else like it this year. And then very much my thing. So um, oddly enough, the other comic I read that it has a very similar vibe um, is actually Jim Ruggs, Hulk, grand design madness this is the second issue of jim rugg's hulk history retelling that he did for marvel comics Uh, if you've read the other grand design stuff there was a x-men grand design that um, ed piscor did a couple years ago and then there was a fantastic four sorry Kara, fantastic four grand design that tom scioli did a couple years ago as well this might be my favorite version of the Grand Design thing, which basically takes the 60-odd years of Hulk history and condenses it down into one streamlined narrative that covers two issues. Huh. What's cool about this is that Jim Rugg, unlike Scioli and Piscor, whose work I like, they have a very like rigid style that they stick to throughout the entire thing. And Jim Rugg really yeah. plays fast and loose with his style. Um, and he sort of mimics the style of the comics that he's mentioning, you know, this issue covers the mid eighties to about 2008, 2009, the end of the world war Hulk storyline. By the end of the book, he's drawing like a nineties Marvel comic. And throughout the book, there's like pages that are designed to look like a collage paste up of different comic panels. There's some stuff that looks like it's printed in a zine. There's some stuff that looks like it's taken out of a newspaper comic strip. There's homages and references to other creators. So visually, it's very, very striking. And I think it reads better as a narrative that way. I thought it was great. I know very little about the actual Hulk chronology and Hulk history. So I had a blast reading this stuff. I think it's one of the best look, again, a very unique looking comic, especially in regards to the other greatest design, uh, grand design stuff I've read. Yeah. So if you have any curiosity about Hulk or want to see some cool looking comics, that's highly recommended as well.
1: Was the first Grand Design the X-Men one, or am I Mm -hmm. now a Mad... Okay, okay. I wasn't sure if maybe that wasn't a Grand Design, but it was something else, and I had looped it in. But,
2: all right, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a cool idea.
2: I always want to read more Hulk stuff, because I think Mark Ruffalo as Hulk in the movies is perfect. (laughs) But every time I try to read Hulk stuff, I'm like, oh. (laughs) So I feel like maybe (laughs) this is something I could start with. Like, I liked Hulk Gray, but it's like everything can't be an origin story.
0: Right. And what's great about this is that Hulk comics and Hulk storylines are really either, like, insane or stupid. And Jim Rugg seems to be celebrating both equally. It's really very entertaining. (laughs) Him kind of, like, giving the shorthands, like, yeah, and then Banner and Hulk, they split apart again. And then guess what? Rick uh, Rick Jones died, and he came back again. Like, oh, yeah, and the leader was resurrected from the dead. Like, it's constantly going back and, like... Almost tongue in cheek, <laughs> making fun of how corny and dumb like Hulk comics are, but purely out of love and respect for them. So it's it, it's very very fun, and it's great too. Again, like Jim Rogwell in this one he like kind of mixes in the print publication history with the character history. So you know he'll talk about oh the Hulk became a, a media sensation, and there's like clips from you know marvel comics themselves or like you know references the the hulk cartoon from the 60s so it's like Mm -hmm. mixing in hulk as a character and hulk as a pop culture phenomenon at the same time which i thought was really cool yeah uh yeah that's good stuff so that's what we read for this past week uh of course there's always new comics coming out there's always new stuff to be looking forward to so now i'm curious kara nick what's on the top of your pile for this upcoming week let's start with you kara
2: Okay. So something that's going to disappoint me, but I'm going to try it anyways. (laughs) No, that's mean of me. It's called Alice Ever After Number One by Dan Panosian and Giorgio Spalletta. And it's like, Alice goes back to Wonderland. And I'm such a sucker for stories like that, because the older I get, the more I become like an Alice in Wonderland person. (laughs) Like I love reading the stuff. I love like the aesthetic, the Analyses, like all of it. But um I'm very picky and definitely have like a disneyfied version of the Alice story in my brain as my own personal headcanon of how it works. I said like I'll probably be disappointed by this because I, I feel like so often with these like Alice goes back as a grown-up stories that are done by men. They're like, and then she was hot. Whereas like other like versions of Alice gets older and goes back to Wonderland that I've liked where the recent book unbirthday a twisted tale by liz Braswell, which is like part of this series of disney novels for adults where they're just like we're gonna take your favorite add a twist or maybe another <laughs> one it'll be an ice cream swirl not a flat circle that nick's mad about and the <laughs> and like the other alice media that i really enjoy is actually a fan fiction called sunny Disposit*. Disposition that was written like 10 years ago and I read it like every year because it's my favorite thing made about Alice in Wonderland ever. Anyway I'm interested to take a look at this book and see if maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised and it will be fine. Also next on my list is I finally got a copy of Heartstopper by Alice Osman out from the library because everyone on our discord was like please read this book and I was like okay yes add another queer young adult romance I hope this phase never ends because I hope they keep just making comics that fit into this genre forever. And then I was also thinking about I might not do this like quite now, but I would like to start revisiting some of the comics about Thor where they were like, Thor's a lady. But which lady is it? Because Mm -hmm. I saw like the one second in the trailer of Natalie Portman as Thor in the new thor movie and i'm like all about that i really hope she makes that with valkyrie in that movie um and then of course uh, Paul... i'm gonna guess it probably doesn't happen <laughs> uh, <laughs> god damn it Marvel I'm sorry. missed opportunity i'm sorry
0: there'll be there'll be one background character who you see in the shadows like see there's And they'll say, like, that character happens to be LGBTQ. Like, look, there's your representation right there.
2: Ugh, I hate it. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, I have been joining Paul on some of his recording journey for A Better Batmobile, the Patreon-exclusive Batman series. And while reading some of the more recent stuff at the end of my tenure as a Robin on that program... I just really wanted to read more Tim Drake stuff. So now I feel like I have to dig up my copies of Red Robin from like 10 years ago and just be like, anyways, Tim Drake is the best Robin. I will not be taking questions at this time. You're not
0: wrong. You're not wrong there with the Tim Drake take. Um, and again, I'll just take this opportunity to plug a better Batmobile. Again, if you are subscribed to our Patreon, it's first two episodes are up right now. If you're not a Patreon, Patreon supporter yet, you can check it out. It's all about me and Kara and a bunch of other people talking about Graham Morrison's Batman stuff. It's very fun. So anyway, plug over unplugged. Um, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, uh, what's on the top of your pile for this week?
1: I mean, it feels like every time I'm on this show, a righteous thirst for vengeance comes out and maybe Mm -hmm. there's a pattern there that I just haven't figured out. So someone needs to, uh, you know, string all the pieces of yarn together between the, the um, uh, what do you call those? The push pins and figure that out. But uh, that book will be great. I'm sure it will be fantastic. Just like last month, whoever is writing the solicits for books at image must have really been scared like a month or two ago that they were told they were revealing too much. Uh, because uh, the um, solicit for this book is the problem with hiding is there's no place to run once you've been discovered. This is the big one. All the trains collide. So (laughs) I'm really excited because I actually want some trains to collide now. Uh, I know what it's like when worlds collide. Power Man 5000 explicitly spelled (laughs) that out for me. Uh, But I want to know about when trains collide. So hopefully that'll happen that book will be great uh there really not nothing more to be said about that so i'd rather take a few seconds to plug a much more unknown book coming out this week called joyama j-o-y-a-m-a this is from dark horse comics it's being written and drawn by daniel isles or um, i'm sure that's how you say it daniel Mm isles daniel isles or daniel isles gotta be aisles right gotta be uh, so his this individual's only credit is on comics vine is for drawing the ya novel mr miracle the great escape which came out for dc comics earlier this year can't speak to that haven't read it looks good though i could go into this solicit here blah 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 yeah these people Uh, the transportation of a high-profile prisoner has been intercepted, but this was no rescue. True freedom awaits, and death is the price for one pays for failure. Who was the prisoner, and who ordered the hit? Look, just just look up the art for this book, okay? Like, <laughs> do, do you like manga-influenced aesthetics? Do you like retro futurism? Do you like art that looks amazing? The plot of this book could be utter dog shit. The <laughs> art looks unbelievable. Go okay. look this book up. I'm so excited.
2: I did. It does look cool.
0: <laughs> well, there you
2: go. I just appreciate it. You're like I don't even care it. if it's bad. I just want you to look yeah. at it.
1: <laughs> I have I've posted a link for people listening. Go go take a look at that. Uh, people listening live and 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 obviously yeah um, we'll drop in the show notes go, yeah. sure. go just go Google it everybody J O Y A M A by Daniel Isles I S L E S very pumped
0: excellent uh, just a reminder this segment is top of your pile not the entire pile itself so uh, looking at both of yeah. you uh, I'll write you up. I'll document demerits for yeah, both yeah, of you yeah. on that since Mike's not I here. told yeah. you my um, whole
2: pile and that's fine it was I was quick <laughs> I was fast yeah, about true. it.
0: That's true. I'm just trying to stick to the rules here. Um, uh, well, before I get to my my pick for the top of my pile, uh, just a shout out to some of our Discord listeners who are here listening live with us. Uh, Paul in the Discord chat is going to be picking up Richard Stark's Parker, The Martini edition, last call. I really think I want to grab that too. I'm just very uh, scared how much is going to hurt my wallet if I try to grab that. That's a collection of all the um, Darwin Cook... Uh, richard stark parker adaptations uh danny's got twig number one is his pick and then our beloved uh, dear leader mike rappin is picking a batman book batman killing time number three i don't he might well have a fever or something mike get to the doctor for uh picking a batman book that seems out of character <laughs> um that said i'll pick a batman adjacent book i know i picked this in our patreon Top of our pile posts last week, but I didn't get a chance to read it because I just went to the shop this past weekend. So I'm once again picking Catwoman Lonely City number three. This is the third issue of the miniseries by Cliff Chiang uh, for DC's Dark. Uh, what do you call it? What do they call it? Um, Dark label? Dark. I can't remember what they call it. Um, anyway.
2: <laughs> Black Label? <laughs> it's Black dark label. and gritty.
0: Dark and gritty. Well, here's the thing. It's a Cliff Chang book, so it's not dark at all. It's actually neon and pastels all over the place. It's one of the best looking books um, oh. I've read this past year. It's basically a future story set 10 years after Batman and Gordon were killed trying to save Gotham. Selina Kyle was arrested by the new mayor and this story follows her as she, after she's released from prison. She's going to plan her biggest score yet. It's going to be her breaking into the Batcave to find something, it's great. Uh, the first two issues were fantastic because Cliff Chang has such an amazing eye for design, fashion, color. Um, you know, it's it's a beautiful looking book. When, and what's cool is if you buy it physically, it's the oversized magazine size book comic, which is a pain if you're trying to put it in a long box to store it. But it's beautiful because you can just look at these gorgeous pages, the way they're laid out, get Catwoman running around Gotham city, all well, it's bathed in sort of neon light. It's, it's a fantastic looking book. I think this might be the last issue. So if you've been waiting on it, if you haven't checked it out yet, maybe grab the collector edition that drops because it's, it's been a fantastic, fantastic Catwoman book.
2: I'll definitely get that when it comes out in trade. I love Catwoman. Yeah,
0: it's a good one. I think you'll enjoy that. So that's what we got for this coming week. Um, We're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to talk all about music and comics. Once again, this commissioned topic uh, chosen by our good friend uh, Cinco. So we're going to talk all about that when we come back very shortly. Welcome back. Uh, As I mentioned, this episode topic was commissioned by our friend kyle aka Cinco in discord and they wanted us to talk about comics and music here's actually what they prompted us for for uh what the theme of this episode is i love an episode about comics created by musicians or comics that have dedicated soundtracks it'd also be fun to hear a little bit about what you all have been listening to recently and uh he chose nick because nick is always in discord dropping uh tracks on the music channel there over there. And then Kara and I chimed in with some ideas for this topic, so that's why he chose us. So there's a lot to cover here. I mean, I think there's a couple different things we could talk about. There's uh, examples of comics that are about music or comics that were created by musicians that maybe don't even have that much to do about music, do with music. And there's also the examples of comics that um, have a soundtrack that's dedicated this the creators sort of say like here's what we can listen to while you're reading the comic it's all very interesting because comics and music seem very intertwined but as experiences they're radically different right because comics are inherently silent so i've always been interested in the idea of like how do you portray sound or convey music in a silent medium and there's examples of it working well or not so before we get too deep i was Maybe just open up the floor here if you have any immediate thoughts about this topic or some things that spring to mind about this. Nick, I know you've got a ton of suggestions here in the in the topic, in the notes.
2: I'm here to talk about Gem and the Holograms and Gem and the Holograms yes. only. No.
0: <laughs> so here That's to fine talk by about...
2: me. No, you know, like a lot of the comics that I grew up reading had a lot of music in them. So for me comics just involved music like the Archie's Josie and the Pussycats um mm-hmm. deep cut here for Archie fans the Madhouse Glads <laughs> but like mm. they had like <laughs> oh the characters are in a band therefore we will have music we will have the suggestion of music we'll have them playing all these instruments I want it noted for the record that Reggie Mantle can play way more instruments than Archie Andrews can <laughs> so <laughs> okay Glad, right. we, glad we settled that time well, time tested debate. Well, <laughs> you know what? Everyone's like, oh, Reggie's the egotistical jerk. He's the bad guy. I'm like, yeah, he's egotistical because he is way more talented than Carrot Top over there and needs to be well, recognized.
0: Yeah, and it's not egotistical to name your band after yourself, like, right? <laughs> the Archies. Right. Thank on. you.
2: <laughs> Justice for Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> So that was always kind of my comic book reading experience is just being like, oh, yes, like these characters are in a band. Now they're going to go on band adventures. They're going to have lyrics for some of the Archie stuff. Like you could listen to some songs because there Mm -hmm. was a fake group called the Archies that in 1969 had a number one record in Sugar Sugar, which if you play it, you'll be like, oh, yes, this song. Uh
1: I was reading something on on Wikipedia and maybe I just merged everything together. But god didn't i wasn't there something about the fact that um the archie sort of emerged because they initially wanted to use the monkeys but due mm. to like i think the monkeys wanted too much money or there was some legal issues and so they just worked around that by creating their own band
0: oh nick I, nick as a yeah. huge fan of both the monkeys and the archies you're exactly right yeah um okay <laughs> That's a topic we can, uh, trust me. If don't want to finish an episode where I talk about the history of the monkeys and Archie's, uh, please do that. Um, so <laughs> that that was the idea. The idea was that the monkeys existed, but they're real people and they had egos. So Don Kirshner, their manager, is like, "Screw that! Next band I make, they're going to be all imaginary Com- comic characters, cartoons." So that's how we have the Archies, and they made great records. So
2: and then they sort of metaphysically touched upon that in the Josie and the Pussycats movie where. We got to peek under the lid of the late 90s, early 2000s pop machine, (laughs) where the pop groups are literally interchangeable manufactured entities. And once they start developing egos, that's when they get murdered.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, again. Topic for another episode. Actually, we already did an episode for the movie club. All we already about did just,
2: that. I'm just yeah, saying it's really relevant. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: It is relevant. Well, you know, speaking of the Archies, because I'm always done to talk about the Archies, I really enjoy a few years ago, they did a series of one shots or mini series where the Archies would meet other real musicians. And those are really super fun. The Ramones. Kiss, Arch, Archie meets Kiss. Obviously, Archie meets the Ramones was very important to me. I love that, that comic. Uh, Tegan and Sarah showed up in the Archie series from a couple years ago. And that like the blending of that stuff is always really cool because it's like, again, comics and music have a lot of influence in terms of style. You know, they influence each other very deeply. Again, even though as artistic experiences, they couldn't be more different in a lot of ways. But yeah, I always thought that was cool. The way the Archies would meet up with those. I mean, Archie and the gang, they travel back to CBGBs in the 70s and see the Ramones play. Like, that's the coolest thing imaginable. So very fun
2: stuff. All things are possible in Archie comics.
0: Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. And then there are so many contemporary comics where a band is the focal point, like just off the top of my head, brief um, Black Canary series over at DC where they were just like, Black Canary's superpower is her canary cry, which is like a sonic cry. But what if she's a singer? What a great cover story. And I'm like, that is a great cover story. Why haven't, why would we make her a florist when you could have made her a rock star? Like... (laughs) Of course, of course. Yeah. And the,
0: again, that that's a great example of a book that really captures the sort of feeling of a musician's playing live. Like all the scenes of the Black Canary band playing are very dynamic and they're very action and it's like you can see the music and you can see the sound on top of just like the pose of them playing cuz drawing people playing instruments can sometimes look very stiff and I think that book in particular was a great example of how to portray, you know, what The sound is that's coming off the page. You can almost hear it when you're looking at the page. I think Gem and the Holograms is another good example of that same thing. When you look at the page, you know exactly what that's supposed to sound like. You know what they're playing on
2: the panel. I'm so sad that there's not like an actual recording of the Gem and the Holograms comic (laughs) album. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Nick, did you have any uh, maybe examples of uh, stuff like this you want to chime in? Well, I mean, I I think what's interesting
1: about specifically... You know, especially the gem in the holograms example, and then also, to some extent, like the Archie's example, uh, and definitely the Black Canary, is that you've you've actually got this extra layer of making things more difficult, which is that you're dealing with music that isn't real, right? <laughs> uh, you know, because I was, sure to bring in one of the books that I read for this episode, I read The Fifth Beetle, right? Yes! <laughs> There's actually... Which makes sense because the book's really not as much about the Beatles as it is about, um, my goodness, Brian, um, Brian
0: Epstein. Geez.
2: Epstein, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, Epstein. Is that uh, with with that book? It's so easy to evoke the music, right? Because you just you can just put some of the lyrics up and and pretty much. I mean, this is the most ubiquitous pop band of the last fifty or sixty years, right? So mm-hmm. everybody basically can just bring up the soundtrack in their mind, I suppose. And so there's less pressure to sort of convincingly portray the music because you can even just put up the lyrics and that's not a knock against the art or, or, or how it tried to evoke things. I think when we talk about how does the fifth Beatle present music, I think the shorthand easy answer is that it doesn't really present that much music because that's <laughs> yeah. actually not what it's about. Um, sure. You know, the, the music and the Beatles themselves are more in the background. Of course, what it does do is you can just put up the lyrics and you're basically set with mm-hmm. the Beatles, right? Not everything else has that luxury. But I did find that sort yeah. of interesting is that you can look at some books where music is involved and you can literally just put words in people the music plays in their brain and other books have to find other ways to do that, like the ones that you two just literally brought
2: up. So Yeah. I mean the fifth Beatle is a gorgeous book. Yeah. And just visually. You're right. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it didn't you you don't need to add anything to the beatles lyrics because as you mentioned they are so ubiquitous even if you don't know like the exact song you still have kind of like an idea of that soundscape and that right that some genre. other
1: Beatles song will probably play yeah in your yeah. in your brain or or something like that so
2: i actually think and this is kind of a stretch, but I have reasons that Mm. the wicked and the divine falls into that same kind of category because the wicked and the divine is about these basically like pop stars that are also gods. And you kind of see glimpses of the start of a performance or like a piece of a musical performance in these different genres that they're representing. But it's the story isn't really about, their performances and the groups. And it's more about like the quote unquote background characters who really become main characters and the politics of the behind the scenes of what it's like to be famous or adored or hated. And all of those things that come along with being a popular music act. So that felt more like behind the scenes than something like gem and the holograms, which was more like Mm -hmm. behind the scenes plus performance. And, uh,
0: very quick. I mean, Wicked and Divine is also an example of a comic that sort of had a soundtrack you could listen to. I remember when that book launched, the writer Kieran Gillen uh, had a ongoing Spotify playlist that they were putting together. That was, they were always dropping stuff in while they were writing the book, so you'd actually listen to the actual music that was being in, that was influencing the writing and kind of lined up with what was happening in the book as you listened through it. So that's something I think is more and more common these days: the idea of creators saying, "Like, here's what I listened to when I wrote this," and. Yeah, it's right there. Very quickly, while we're talking about the Beatles, um, I wanted to mention another comic about the Beatles called Babies in Black by Aaron Bellstorff. This came out um, 2012, I think. It's actually, again, not about the Beatles specifically. It's about their original bass player, Stu Sutcliffe, and um, his girlfriend, uh, Astrid Kirchner unlike, you know, uh, again, like you're saying, it's a book that it's about the Beatles. So you don't really need to say much more because everyone kind of knows the whole story, but this focuses on the Beatles in Hamburg, Germany in 1960. And the illustration style is very simple. A lot of just, it's like charcoal sort of illustration, lots of dark panels, but it really captures the sort of smoky small clubs that they were playing in at the time. And it captures the sort of, uh, you know transfer from beatnik culture to 60s culture that they were trapped in so in terms of capturing a moment in time and a sound that you maybe not think about when you think about the beatles as a pop phenomenon it's a really really cool book and it's again it's kind of a deep dive into a very specific moment in their history i really really enjoyed it
2: where do we think scott pilgrim fits into all of this <laughs>
0: Hmm. I have to question. ask because yeah. that's
2: I feel like that's a book that at some point in the last 20 years, everybody who reads comics read that book. And mm-hmm. there is mm-hmm. music as part of that book in well, you, a way that feels more like common now, I guess, like more more like you would see it.
0: What's the what's difficult with that, though, is because at this point, if you read the book chances are you've seen the movie. So all those songs that you kind of had to imagine what they sound like the first time you read it, you now have the actual song to like compare uh, it to. You know excellent I mean?
1: point. That's true. So it's a very, very different true. experience
0: if you go back and reread it.
2: What if you haven't seen the movie and don't plan on it? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> what if you're just I, stubborn, Paul? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I
0: wouldn't fault you for not seeing the movie Um, as much as I did enjoy it. Uh, but I will say in that in that regard... When I did see the movie, the songs, they pretty much sounded exactly like I expected them to do, having read the book. I mean, they did a really good job of saying, here's the vibe that this panel, this page is giving off. We're going to put that into sound. And they did a really good job translating the music of the comic into actual music for the film. So if nothing else, just listen to the soundtrack.
1: If you look at Edgar Wright movies, he definitely seems to care more and have more of an ear for the... Musical element of his movies than you know certain other directors do, so
2: was um, that Edgar Wright?
1: Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you sort of see that ear for attention as well in you know Baby Driver, even though you know obviously what's his face was in that, and that kind of ruined that now. But uh, (laughs) we don't need to talk about
2: not the soundtrack, Nick
1: Kevin Spacey.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's right.
2: Soundtrack is fine,
0: yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, so I want to very briefly maybe talk about some comics that were actually written by musicians, because I think that's a good example of someone who understands both media in a way and kind of like can blur that line and kind of bridge that. Um, one example I'm thinking of off the top of my head is Mike Allred, who actually we know is a comic book artist, but he actually was in a band called Red Rocket 7 that did a couple records. I don't know that I've ever actually heard that. Oh. um Mike Allred did a comic in the 90s called Red Rocket 7, which is sort of about this alien that comes to Earth and witnesses the history of rock and roll. I don't know if that's still in print. They can find copies of it pretty easily. It's a pretty fun comic. Um, he also did a David Bowie graphic novel uh, biography called Bowie, Stardust, Ray Guns, and Moon Age, Moon Age Daydreams. That's Mike and uh, Laura Allred, of course, uh, with Steve Horton helping them with that one. I like that book a lot because it was a great example of someone who loved the source material so much. They put a ton of little details, Easter eggs and clues into the page where it's like there's pages where it's basically an illustration of the lyrics of a song. So you have the song Life on Mars by David Bowie and it's like there's a page and it's like all the sort of things that are talked about in the lyrics are drawn on the page. And you kind of have to play like where's Waldo to kind of find all the references and then again, Mike oh. Allred capturing the sort of fashion of the mid seventies of David Bowie and the Spiders from Mars or Ziggy Stardust. Like it's a really, really beautiful looking book, and I think it's because oh. Allred has a background in music as well. That he's able to do those illustrations and designs like that.
2: Didn't okay. So mm-hmm. everyone's gonna, everyone's about to get mad at me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. But in my head, I mixed up Gerard Way and Jared Leto. <laughs>
0: Oh no. I'm so
2: sorry. But I was like, they both were in bands where the aesthetic was black and red, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So I was just Googling like Jared Leto comic books and I'm just getting Morbius sucked reviews. So just (laughs) I was very confused because I was like, Gerard, that that guy did did a comic book, right? What was that comic book? I'm so sorry, everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: This is like, I love (laughs) comic books that portray music, but I don't actually really pay attention to music. So that's how I make confusion. Confusion happens like that. It just does. It
0: sometimes happens. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, we could, thankfully, we don't have to talk about uh, one of those two gentlemen. We can talk about Gerard Way and talk about um, his Doom Patrol, which is a great comic. And again, feels very influenced by, by music. Worth mentioning again that the- uh,
2: like like how does it feel influenced by music to you like are there's, there musical elements is it just like a vibe you're getting
0: yeah it's a, there's a vibe there's a rhythm to kind of the way the story lays out there's a sense of i don't know just, there's a design sense that feels very taken from um like pop culture music culture rock and roll that feels in that book
1: am i imagining that is this the book that has yeah. a character named the drummer right isn't that part of it too
0: uh not in doom patrol
1: that i know of no Am I now maybe confusing the old and the new Doom Patrol? Maybe. Hmm. Perhaps. I I thought that book was great. Honestly, I thought, I think that book is a million times better than Umbrella Academy. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure some people will not appreciate that, but that's okay. (laughs) I'm just... Yeah. Obviously, Jardway was doing comics before My Chemical Romance got big, but there's no denying that. I think after My Chemical Romance, he basically could do whatever he wanted with comics, so... So you've got that. I know Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine has written comics. Mm-hmm. The pop artist Lights actually drew her own graphic novel, Skin and Earth, which also uh, accompanied the her album with the exact same name. So you can actually, okay. there's a part at the beginning of the graphic novel where you can sort of sync the like 12 different chapters of the um, book with the twelve songs on the album, which I think is really oh. cool. Gotcha. Uh, oh. Cinco pointed out Max Bemis from Say Anything, uh, another great example. Bemis, of course, is interesting because I I think most of Bemis's work actually hasn't involved music at all. I, uh, there's always been somewhat of like a punk rock feeling uh, to Bemis's work. I think that he brings that to most of his comics, which I think is great. But um,
2: yeah, um, guys. I just remembered a comic book about music that I know I've talked about on the show before, but it's super relevant right now. Okay. When I was in middle school, I voraciously devoured all three issues of a manga called Princess Eye that Courtney Love was like a co-creator on. It was about this Maybe she's an angel, maybe she's an alien. She's fallen to earth and she's got little wings and they're growing and she has the most beautiful voice and she can sing in all the finest gentlemen's clubs in Tokyo and fall in love with the cute musician boy who hangs out by the local library. And I loved it because it was very um it was very aesthetic like it was really doubling down on kind of like a gothy interpretation of the Harajuku aesthetic that was coming out of Japan at the time where everything was very like strappy and cosplay-y and ruffly and your hair is in an elaborate contraption and you're just like getting dressed up to go get photographed on the weekends kind of thing and the this is like the aesthetic of this manga and because a big component of it was like this character has the most beautiful voice and everyone loves it when she sings so there were a lot of like lyrics in this book and i was so annoyed that they weren't actual songs that i could listen to because i was like this book is so cool this character is so cool these lyrics are so awesome and edgy and they like printed the lyrics up in the manga but there wasn't like an equivalent and i thought oh well I didn't know anything about Courtney love, but I'm like, I'm vaguely aware that Courtney love is a musical artist. Like maybe these (laughs) are some of her songs and they weren't. And what's extra interesting about this manga is again, I didn't know anything about Courtney love or Kurt Cobain at the time that I was reading it, but I like just listened to a podcast about the both of them. And now thinking back on the plot of that book, I'm like, Oh my God, it's like a fantasy retelling of Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love's relationship, except she's the protagonist this time. Well done. Very nice.
1: I thought you were going to tell me that, like, years after the events, and now you're reading this book, It like you suddenly find out that this book actually reveals what really happened to Kurt Cobain. Right, yeah. No.
2: (laughs) No. (laughs) No. So, like, is it the best manga in the world? No. But it has a special place in my heart. It is very much about music, and it is sort of a fantasy retelling of a musical drama that actually happened yeah
0: yeah because i mean there's a whole another sub genre of you know comics uh, that are music biographies and that's very much my sweet spot there's a lot of stuff i've books like that um one that really came to mind specifically for this topic is called chasing the bird uh it's charlie parker in california by the cartoonist Mm. david chisholm Um, what's interesting is that Dave Chisholm, in addition to being a comic book artist, is also a jazz musician himself. So he did this book about the jazz musician, Charlie Parker, and I'm dumb. I don't know anything about jazz. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. But this comic is really beautiful (laughs) because it tells you all you need to know. It tells like why Charlie Parker is important. The book is a series of vignettes of people that met Charlie Parker when he spent time in California. But the end of the book, the last few pages is like... Charlie Parker, the saxophone, jazz musician, saxophonist playing a sax solo on stage and the way it's drawn, you can kind of just like hear it just by looking at the position he's standing in and the way it's illustrated. It's like, oh, you don't even really have to even listen to the song he's playing. You know, they're, they're making reference to, you can kind of just intuit what it's doing and how it's, how it sounds to the crowd and. You know, I while reading this book, I did try to listen to some Charlie Parker stuff. Again, it's I'm I'm a dum dum when it comes to jazz, but the way that Chisholm was able to kind of bridge that gap and illustrate the way the music sounds on the page was really, really striking. It's one of the best examples of that that gap and how to make that work that I've ever read.
1: I, I sort of actually sort of had the exact same experience with um the original graphic novel Blue and Green. I don't know if you've <laughs> yeah. Read yeah, that, right, which is yeah. also yeah. about a jazz saxophonist.
2: Yeah, exactly. Oh.
1: By uh written by Ram V and uh drawn by Anand RK. I think that's mm-hmm.
2: I guess jazz saxophone is the hot subgenre of musical comics exactly. now. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean what was interesting about that is the colorist John Pearson, like the way Pearson sort of kind of like views these background hues in different scenes. I mean it sort of has to I don't know it felt almost a little like synesthesia right where you you see colors or you 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 hear colors right um sort of seeing certain colors kind of evoked a certain tone
0: to the music yeah. that's a really beautiful book i mean just in terms of illustration i mean just the way it looks the way oh, these color, oh, yeah. like you said it's a gorgeous looking comic book
1: there's the the way that that book like portrays music by using color to evoke tones i thought was really really great because it's especially again as you said like with jazz like you largely don't have lyrics so right if someone says oh you know i'm playing john coltrane it's like well that's great i don't know i don't know what that song is you know not all of (laughs) us were forced to watch you know ken burns 78 part series on jazz so (laughs) um (laughs) not everyone had my father as a parent and watched every ken burns thing except for quote I'm not watching that baseball shit. Unquote. Sorry, Paul. Um, no, sorry. Right. But that was that's where my dad drew the line. So,
2: um, <laughs> not embracing yeah. the great American pastime. Just I know. Basic.
1: Yeah, he was very up for the Civil War one, and he will watch that a million times over. Where America, you know, gets you know fractured, but uh, America's pastime, he's not interested. <laughs> so, sure, uh, sure. if someone wants to commission an app on my dad, uh, just let me know. We'll do it because I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk all about him shouting uh, at at uh, at me when he doesn't have his hearing
2: aids in. So it'll be good. oh my god, Nick. Um, oh, so thinking about the the kind of color tones versus the musical tones. No, it was it was making me think about the books that we listed earlier, where there are lyrics oh. and they are about these fictional bands, and we don't know what the music sounds like. But the color palette is perhaps one of the most important parts of that. Like, when you think of Gem and the Holograms and all those, like, pastel and candy colors versus, like, Black Canary and everything's, like, black, yeah. shades of gray, some reds. Like, yeah. you, you do, through the color, get a sense of what kind of music there may be going for with that. Right. Because, like, emo kind of has a color palette and
1: grunge sort of has a color palette. It looks like mm-hmm. a plaid flannel. and um <laughs> You know, obviously, with with '80s synth pop, you've got the neon hue. So, no, I, I that that's a great point. Like color as a shorthand for music and even musical eras or musical genres. Like, it yeah. exists. It totally exists.
2: So, if you are thinking about creating a musically based comic book, put most of your money into your colorist.
0: Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. I was going to say, I that made me think of another example of a book that has lyrics and I wasn't sure how to read the lyrics as a musical, but luckily the creators actually went ahead and recorded the music of the comic that was being illustrated and put it up online. Unfortunately, it's a black and white comic, so it kind of defeats the point you just made about color. But um, <laughs> back, uh, I think it was last year or two years ago, the Judge Dredd magazine had like a big 30th anniversary issue. And one of the comic strips in there is called Lawless. It's Judge Dredd adjacent. It's about, you know, these former judges on an alien planet that's kind of like a Western kind of story vibe to it. Anyway, Dan Abnett and Phil Wisslade were the creators on that, and they did a musical issue for the judge Dread magazine anniversary lawless the musical i remember reading that i know very little about musicals as or musicals as a genre so i didn't sure wasn't sure how i was supposed to be reading this and what I was supposed to be hearing in my head but they went ahead and actually recorded the lawless musical you can actually find it on the 2008 website it's very very fun if you want to single oh my comics yeah i'll draw i'll oh, drop a link committed. to that in the show notes it's very fun
2: that's commitment to an idea right
0: there. <laughs> I think they even said, like, yeah, we weren't planning on doing this, but, you know, we were all stuck inside for a year thanks to the pandemic. So here you go. We went ahead and recorded it. So.
1: Other people made <laughs> sourdough bread and and we we wrote a musical. <laughs> <made> a musical. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> it's very fun.
1: That's deranged. Oh, my. Like, part of me is like, God, I hope it's like four songs. But like, part of me is like, oh, my God, what if this is like a two hour thing they did? Uh, <laughs>
0: it's good stuff yeah
2: i mean not not quite to that level but um do you remember like a million years ago now when the like spider gwen comics were coming out Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like a fan group recorded the song that like the mary janes were singing yeah oh yeah 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 Yeah. i thought that was like an almost great moment because i was just like come on marvel you're so close you're so close just Bring yeah. them into the fold, make them write more songs for you. <laughs>
1: I'm sure they got an email that said, unfortunately, we cannot accept uh, ideas from <laughs> we can't accept uh, pitch ideas from fans. Please don't send us another. right.
0: Yeah, oh my God. We got a no prize note about S- it.
2: Such a missed opportunity. I mean, Archie, yeah, sanctioned the Veronicas more or less, so it can't That's be true. done. There is precedent. yeah, yeah. so close, Marvel.
0: Um, which I think this kind of leads into maybe another uh, branch of this conversation briefly. We could talk about comics that actually have dedicated soundtracks. We touched on it briefly, but again, I think that something is happening more and more regularly. Um, One example of that is that Texas blood, the image series. If you read that comic at the, in the letters page at the back of each comic, there's a QR code you can scan. That'll take you to your Spotify account. And there's a playlist of songs, that the creators were listening to and influenced that particular issue or that story arc. I've never listened to it cause I don't use Spotify, but it's a really cool idea to give fans something like here's an insight, not only to the creative process, but it might enhance the reading experience as well. Nick, have you, I know you read that, that series. Have you listened to the soundtracks at all? Uh, I guess
1: I didn't. Did I totally miss out on like, I, this is news to me. Like you're telling me this oh, really? the first okay. time. I don't know if, oh. uh, Maybe I can't imagine that they would have removed this out of the single issues but um no, no. maybe they I don't know. did I mean Paul, removed mis- it out of the trades sorry uh okay yeah
2: I, Paul I'm younger than you but I felt like such an old person when you said you scan this QR code cuz I just feel yeah. like QR codes as a concept exhaust me
1: <laughs> like- <laughs> well I mean honestly for me like I need the, when people are like oh just listen to the soundtrack while we you know while you uh do this like read this book like i need that process streamlined as much as possible like if i need to go download a playlist and then Mm -hmm. you know log in no 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 like i i i actually really appreciate when some of these groups or whatever like the um what was the book i was looking at the the graphic novel about the carter family don't forget the Mm. song like it just literally Mm. came with the cd like that i I know no one owns a cd player anymore um, everyone you can just wikipedia the entry on that you'll figure out what it is um but like for me that is the level of ease that i need i need to do this sort of shit just give me a sure. cd um, <laughs> or wait like, that
2: reminds me no guys i had a very weird dream last night and in it does there involve was like the carter family no <laughs> okay. but it does involve cds it was like you know when your dream i don't know if you guys do this but if you have like dreams where your brain kind of like mashes people in your life together into like an amalgamated character and you know who they are but like they're shifting based on the scene.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe just my brain does people. that. Yeah. Maybe
2: my brain does that. Anyway, so in my dream the Renee Nick hybrid was showing me a backpack they had made. Mm. And this mm. backpack had um, you know in like the backpacks from like 20 years ago, there would be like a compartment on the top where you could put your discman and maybe some cds all right so that but there was like here here's the section for your floppy disks and here's the sections for your usb cards and here's the section for your cds it was like all these different like weird formats of media we've had and as i was being shown the backpack i realized the backpack was growing bigger and bigger until it was like bigger than me and i couldn't possibly Mm -hmm. carry it anyways so (laughs)
0: Paging well, Doctor Freud. I mean, I'm sure that means nothing. Yeah, I'm sure there's nothing. Like
2: that. <laughs> too many media formats to pay attention to. Guys.
0: <laughs> so Nick, if Nick, if you need it streamlined, clearly you're picking up the the issues of what's the furthest place from here? The image series that come bundled with a seven-inch forty-five record of the songs that are being, you know, influenced in comic, right?
1: Oh my God, I forgot about <laughs> that too. <laughs>
0: That's as much as wild. I love comics like, and vinyl I've not picked those up. I just can't can't bring myself to do it.
1: God. Well, I mean maybe if I liked the book more maybe that would be a more viable Sure. Viable thing yeah. for me but uh <laughs> Yeah i love tyler boss i love his art i think it's yeah. a great looking book it feels like it's going nowhere
0: well again right. the, the the first issue of that was so great because all these like it's a post-apocalyptic world all these teenagers are basically living in a record store and part of their sort of ritual practice that they do is each oh, person right. gets to select an album as their totem i'm like oh my god that's speaking so much to my experience not just as a teenager uh, i totally but forgot
1: how you know I mean? yeah. musically oriented that book was no you're completely yeah. right That's right. You have to keep your record safe. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. That that idea of like, as a teenager, you identify with one record so strongly. It's like, yes, I think everyone had that experience no matter what age you are. Music is so important at that age where it's just like, yes, this record is speaking to me on a level and it's so important. It becomes my identity. That's a really powerful idea. I wish, again, I wish the book had kind of stuck with that instead of, you know, whatever, whatever it is now.
1: So, whatever it is, yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) Quick, what's that album for you? For me, it's Michelle Branch's Hotel Paper.
0: (laughs) Oh, god. Uh, I mean, as a teenager, yeah,
2: I have more, but that's the one that like burns bright in my mind because that was like fall vibes all the way back to school. Gotta walk to the pond by myself in the rain. Oh, god. I had,
0: I had the, uh, I had the the collection of uh, the Ramones greatest hits Ramones mania. I had that on comp on a cassette tape and I wore the tape out listening to it uh, to school every day back and forth. So that's uh, that's for me.
2: Pick Uh, one,
1: Nick. I mean, I think I probably listened to so long Astoria" by the Atari's like so many times on my paper route (laughs) that I think the CD stopped working. So it's probably that Um, me like, early aughts emo Nick for sure uh, (laughs) slash, you know, pop punk. So um, yeah, definitely that. So uh, that's a great question.
0: Yeah. That being said, I think, go go ahead.
1: Oh, I was going to say, I think that that's a a nice organic pivot to discuss some of the things that we've been listening uh, to, as I think there was a request to, perhaps briefly discuss several of the things that we are listening to
2: can i start because my list will be the shortest sure Sure. thank you i feel like you guys are way more musically inclined than i am and mine is (laughs) relevant to my weird dream that i had where nick and renee were the same person because we're slowly
1: becoming (laughs) i mean the more i read manga the convergence is happening so
2: (laughs) no Uh. because i was thinking about what music am i listening to because usually i just like pick like one album and just do that on loop until i have a different album yeah i get that yeah sometimes like,
1: it's just even a song like i'll admit like maybe this is bad do other people do this like i will literally put a single I will song, loop a on song. Repeat.
2: I, I will loop a song for that for <laughs> for a brief moment that was me and the kesha track summer which is obsession worthy um during the pandemic i was definitely looping the birds of prey soundtrack and the charlie's angel soundtrack recently I have been and by recently, I mean, just like the last two weeks, I went back to I went back to Taylor Swift's folklore because I made my brother listen to it. And he was like, it's fine. And I was like, it's fine. It's (laughs) the pop cultural keystone of the early pandemic in the United States. Anyway, I'm listening to that album
1: now. Not talking to my brother. Um, No. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, Oh, my God. So but like the other stuff that I've been listening to, because I always have gravitated more towards like film soundtracks, because I feel like I get different songs from different artists that are still part of a cohesive whole have been listening to like early 2000s teen comedy soundtracks. Like right mm. now I am doing the the bring it on soundtrack pretty hard. And I'm like, am I 20 years too late for the Sum 41 party? And then I was just thinking, <laughs> I'll just have Nick and Renee make me a playlist of stuff that I missed 20 years ago yeah. that's like particular there... subgenre <laughs> of music.
1: There won't be a lot of Sum forty one on that playlist for me, but yeah. No, that's fine. But
2: no but like it's just kind of like the music that you listen to and you're like ah yes a teen movie in the early 2000s like none of this music was ever like a top 40 hit but you listen to it and all of a sudden you're in the middle of 10 things i hate about you
1: like like freaking Mm -hmm. weedus's teenage dirtbag or whatever yeah sure yeah yeah
2: Yeah. see like i don't even know that that's why i was just like who do i know who can tell me what to listen to that's kind of like this but yeah, that's my that's my super short list right now. That's that's yes. my music right now. I'm just in denial about the present and the future.
0: Sure. Me too. I'm gonna listen to old stuff as well. So <laughs> yeah. Um very briefly, the few things that have been on my uh turntable recently, uh, because that's what I listen to when I'm at home. I'm my record player. Records for day was last week. I spent way too much money on records. The big thing I bought was a big box set of all of the 80s Ramones albums. That's the album's um pleasant dreams through brain drain uh stuff i didn't have on vinyl so i bought that box set i've been having fun going back down memory lane listening to all that ramon stuff um i also picked up a couple cheap trick records from the 70s i didn't have that's in color and heaven tonight those have been on my turntable pretty frequently lately in terms of newer stuff i've been enjoying um another record store day selection was tegan and sarah's still jealous which is basically them re-recording their 2004 album so jealous but they cover each other's songs. It's it's very cute. It's very very. Oh, nice. that's
1: interesting. Yeah,
0: um, and then it's in terms of new music that actually was written and came out within the past few years. Um, Destroyers' uh, new album Labyrinthitis is so good. Uh, Destroyer, of course, is the main band of Dan Behar, who's a member of the New Pornographers. So if you know familiar with that group, and mm. um, this is one of his weirdest records. It's a mix of like electronic synthy pop stuff, some like post-punk art rock it's he's always been able to kind of shape shift between genres and this feels like it's everything he's kind of done at the same time it's a very cool record and then i'm really enjoying the new super chunk album wild loneliness that's kind of been my go-to as well so that's some newer stuff i've been digging what about you nick what are you listening to
1: uh like for like my pop punk emo revival sort of shit uh which i love um Song-wise, like, Go to Hell by Between You and Me featuring yours truly, and uh, The Best Part of Letting Go by The Dangerous Summer are definitely uh, the big ones for me. Uh, Album-wise, in the same genre sort of thing, Fever by Against the Current would be another one. In terms of music that I like to, like, work to, because honestly sort of a different list but i think people are I'm, I'm always looking for good soundtracks video game soundtracks or anything to work to
2: mm-hmm. the finding nemo soundtrack yeah that was uh, my most listened <laughs> to on spotify last year because i just had that on loop all the time
1: uh the tron i always get them confused is tron evolution the video game or the movie is evolution the movie mm, i
2: don't is remember Is Tron
1: under, yeah. i can't remember. the new the, the tron movie from 2012 or whatever folks um that soundtrack is great to work to Kavinsky, some of you might know Kavinsky. He uh did the song at the beginning of the movie Drive, uh Night okay. Call. Yep. Uh Kavinsky mm-hmm. put out a new album, first new album in like 9 years called Reborn. Uh that is a great one to work to. Like if you're doing anything on the computer, like and you put that on, like you suddenly feel like you're the most important like I am hacking the mainframe right now and it's just you in a Microsoft PowerPoint document like picking out clip art and you're like I am such a badass. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Sure>.
0: <laughs> uh
1: And in the same vein, like another great one to work to all of the music for Minecraft. Uh, like I don't play the game at all. Like I can't tell you mm-hmm. if you put two coppers and three iron ores and it makes a easy bake oven or whatever. Like I can't tell you how yep. any of that shit works, but the Minecraft art that uh, Minecraft soundtracks are so good to work to. And there's a new one called uh Caves and Cliffs by Lena Rain and Kumi Tanioka and oh god so good to work to that like if you need <laughs> like if anybody else wants like great music to like sit in front of a computer and uh, <laughs> move excel spreadsheets around uh, hit me <laughs> up cuz I got all sorts of recommendations
0: <laughs> that's funny cuz like I remember whenever I'm kind of doing stuff like that I always like to listen to John Carpenter the one it's like soundtrack I always listen to is the escape from New York soundtrack, which I think might have a very similar vibe. It's very sort of like droney synth heavy kind of like stuff. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. 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 No, yeah. like you, you, you gotta have a good, you know, working or doing important things, soundtrack list and like video game soundtracks or like the interstellar soundtrack or, you know, <laughs> the, I, I have so many recommendations. Maybe we'll, we'll yeah. have to make another episode about that.
0: Perhaps we'll have to put together a playlist at some point. Um, and uh, yeah, but it can't be on be a, Spotify. They can't be on Spotify. They can't have. There's no <laughs> QR codes involved.
2: Yeah. You have to label it music to make uh, capitalism tolerable. By and
1: it's yeah, only going to be released on what were those called micro CDs. It's only going to be released <laughs> on micro CDs. Mini discs. <laughs> no, we're not going Mini vinyl, list, Brian. Yeah. We're really. We're we're going straight to micro CDs. Remember that? I remember the one kid in middle school who had like a yes. micro CD player. And he's like, I know, don't be jealous. I know you're staring at the future. I'm <laughs> like, all right, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> oh Two years later, no one ever sees one ever again.
0: <laughs> Until then, I want to say uh, this has been a fun conversation. I don't think we have any final thoughts. We're running long. I know Mike's going to be so angry when he sees how long this episode ran. Um obviously
2: mike's not he here back. he can deal
0: <laughs> um
2: no it's just been a very fun point conversation out for the records like... that
1: that was Kara who said that forever <laughs> yeah. whoever is maybe listening and wondering well who who said that that was that was Kara. that wasn't that wasn't and don't confuse that for anyone else that was Kara.
2: <laughs> who gets an attitude when the host is away it's me yeah <laughs>
0: um uh, this is a very fun conversation. I feel like we just scratched the surface. We can always come back and talk about music again. I think obviously we have a lot to say and a lot of opinions. Come back so for again, our thank
2: album.
0: Just exactly. record scratch <laughs>
1: the surface. Ugh.
0: Don't scratch up your records that way. That's not fun. Um, it won't be a soft won't be a sophomore slump when we do it again. Um thank you Cinco, for commissioning this episode. Um that you can do that uh, as a Patreon member, we really appreciate it. Uh, it was a fun topic. I feel like, again, there's a lot more to unpack. So maybe we, we might return to it at some point. So next week, Mike and Brian will be joined by special guests, Brenda and Austin of the Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries podcast to chat about comics, manga, and the lore of the nerd world. That'll be fun. And uh, until then, you can follow us all on Twitter. Nick is over on Twitter at Death Star Plans. Kara is at Kara s zam i'm over there at Hi Polly, and the show is at ircb podcast that's the same handle for instagram twitter tiktok uh and anything else i don't know we still is uh i think that's all i know so I mean, we're all over there we're <laughs> doing good stuff on tiktok uh so check that out if you haven't subscribed or followed us over there yet
2: we'll have a qr code somewhere in there
1: oh no yeah. This episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. Join today for exclusive series like IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and more. You can join now at patreon.com forward slash IRCB podcast.
2: If you haven't already, please rate and review our show five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Yes, they have ratings or wherever you listen to your podcast because we deserve it.
1: We would also love to have you join the IRCB Discord community to track comics and more. Uh, Plus, you can listen to our episodes live as we record every week. Check the link to our Discord in the show notes.
2: Podcasts grow best when spread by word of mouth, so why not tell your friends, family, and local comic shop about IRCB? Speaking of music,
0: Infinity Shred is the best band in the known universe, and they do all of the music for our shows. Xander is a very cool guy who edits the show and makes us sound so smart and cool. Thank you again to Cinco for commissioning this episode. Thank you, Nick and Kara, for joining me on this musical journey. Thank you, Mike, for letting me sit in the host chair. Thanks for keeping it warm for me. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you.